0: Are y'all enjoying this family vacation? I'm certainly enjoying it. I am blessed to be able to come up here and speak with you. I'm glad the board asked me to speak. Those of you who have been here before know how much I love you and how much I love speaking to you, even though I'm not any good. I'll try to keep you awake tonight. But as we get started, do me a favor and let's go before the Father. Father, we come humbly into your presence. Father, I specifically want to ask you to move your spirit in amongst this crowd tonight. Father, you know as the board gets together and we start planning this retreat, you know how, what, our, what our heart is for what we want to happen here. You know every year we're, we're desperately trying to light a fire. To light a fire for you, Father, that will spread over all this earth, but specifically at each one of our campuses so our people can reach people. So saved people can save people. So hurt people can no longer be hurt and hurt people. Father, we thank you for giving us all that mission. And I would ask, Father, tonight, if there are any demons in this room, that you remove them. That you bring your warrior angels in amongst us to fight them off of us so that we can keep our eyes and hearts and ears open to whatever it is that you have to say. I know, Father, you're using this old man. And I know the words that are coming out of me, most of the words, will not they'll be my words, they won't be yours. So Father, I ask you, at the times when they are your words, at the time when your Spirit is speaking through me, that you allow the Spirit to be causing these hearers to hear. And together, the parts that are from you, and the parts that, for me, I hope that they forget. Thank you, Father, for allowing me to be here. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. What I'm going to be doing, what they've given me the job of doing, is unpacking a story of a man known only in Scripture as Legion. It's in Mark chapter 5, and you can turn over there. That's where we'll be pretty much the whole time, and when it's not, it'll be up on the screen. Um, We're going to look at a man that was so controlled by demons, he was no longer living. He was basically dead. We're going to look at how Jesus gave this man his life back. I love how Mark five exposes how no matter what Satan takes away, Jesus can return. I want you to think about that for a second. Think about that in your life. Think about all the things and times in your life that Jesus has taken that Jesus excuse me Satan has taken something away from you. No matter what Satan takes away. This set of scriptures exposes how Jesus can give it all back to you. And that's what I love about Mark 5. I love how it exposes that. This man named, that was known as Legion had lost his name, his home, his family, his freedom, his mental health, his physical health. He'd even lost his purpose for living. And in one breath, Jesus gives it all back. He even gives him a new purpose. We'll talk more about that later. Let's unpack the story. Look at Mark. Chapter 5, start at verse 1. I'm going to first read through verse 1 through 6, and it should be up here. They, being Jesus and his disciples, went across the lake to the region of the Gersenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. No one can bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot but he tore the chains apart and broke the arms on his feet no one was strong enough to subdue him night and day among the tombs and the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones when he saw Jesus from a distance he ran and fell on his knees in front of him the first thing I want you to see here I think is really important for all of us that that are involved in fighting demons You may not be aware of that yet, but that's exactly what all of you are here for. To learn how to fight demons. Because that's our job, to fight demons off of mankind, to to bring Jesus to them. But there's something real important here. When Jesus encounters this man, the demons inside this man recognize Jesus. I think that's still true today. I've seen it happen many times, and I think every warrior in here knows exactly what I'm talking about. How many times have you been reaching out, trying to reach out, trying to become friends with, trying to befriend, trying to do everything you can to develop a relationship with some messed up person? How many times have you been in the middle of that, and they just keep coming around? Maybe you feel like you made some kind of mistake. I've said something wrong. I said something about Jesus at the wrong time or, or whatever, you know, and they just curl. They don't want to have anything else to do with you. But then they just keep coming back. How many times have you had that happen? Those of you who are the warriors have had that happen a lot, haven't you? And you wonder sometimes, why do they keep coming back? Why do they keep having anything to do with me and they keep having anything? They keep coming to cross chats. Even though sometimes they say stuff like, what are they doing here? They don't want to be here. Bottom line is, they just keep, what are they seeing? And how many times have you heard that person say later on these exact words? I stuck around because I saw something different in this group. And now I know I saw Jesus. I'm just curious. Are there any of you you in here that have actually said that? A bunch of you, isn't there? Those words came out of your mouth, didn't they? You stuck around because you were seeing Jesus. You see, that's what happens. Even the demons recognize Jesus when they see him. Now, I recognize some of you may be sitting there saying, wait a minute, you just called me a demon. Well, if the shoe fits, no, 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 just kidding. Uh, (laughs) That's who all of us are at times. I know I am. I know I'm one of those messed up people that at times the demon gets a hold and there's a battle, and sometimes he's the one that needs to do the recognizing. Sometimes somebody at church, it's not necessarily always at church, but in different places where I am, but you, normally it's a church person will come to me, especially where I am right now, and they'll they'll ask me, they'll say, Lynn, I don't know quite how to ask this question, but how how do you guys reach so many messed up people? And I love it when they say that. Cause I'll give them this quizzical look, like I don't have any. Like, what are you talking about? You know, it's just this dumb look. What do you mean, messed up people? And they'll say, Well, you know, I mean, you, you reach these people and their lives are just, they're just. I'm waiting on them. You know, I'm, I'm letting them hang themselves because you know what they're really saying is they're not quite like us, us perfect church folk. I let them go a little while and then I finally look at them and say, Well, the first thing I do. So i go ahead and get serious with them. My first thing I do is let them know I'm a messed up person because we're all messed up people. Now, I you know the person I'm talking to generally doesn't feel like they're a messed up person because they were born and raised in the church, and therefore we have this entitlement we're not messed up. But, but I let them know I consider myself one of those messed up people, and messed up people recognize messed up people. So that's the first thing. The second thing I do, and I tell them this, is all of our group we show them Jesus because Jesus loves messed up people see when we meet a messed up person we recognize they're not who the battles against we know that scripture tells us our battle is not against flesh and blood the fight And the fight that we're going to engage in is with the demons that are destroying their lives. Look back at this story. Look at verse 3 through 5 again. Just glance back at that. This is what death looks like. This man, who was known as Legion, lived in the tombs, and nobody could bind him. Not even with chains. They'd chain, they'd chain his feet. They'd chain his hands, and he'd rip and tear the chains off. Nobody was strong enough to subdue him. And then day and night, he would cry out in the hills and then cut himself with stones. You ever known people that cut themselves? Yeah. Anybody in here that's been involved in the fight at all, you'll be sitting there shaking your head Yes. You've known people that cut themselves. You probably you might even know people right now that cut themselves. I know when I was back when I was now this is a weird way thing I was about to say. I was about to say back when I was a church kid. (laughs) I was born and raised in the church, so I guess I'm always gonna be a church kid, but there was a time in my life where the light came on. And I realized it wasn't about me. And God didn't come to save me. He came to save everyone. (laughs) And he, I was supposed to be letting him use me and not just taking his blood and being a vampire. You know, just being, for, I wanted his blood but not his life. At some point, and that's when it changed for me. So it seems funny for me to say back when I was a church kid. Anyway, I almost forget where I was going with that, but I don't forget completely. You see, this man wasn't living his life. This man that we're going to find out here in a few minutes that was, that's known, he's only known in Scripture as Legion. This man wasn't living his life. Here's a sad truth, but it's a truth nonetheless. People are either living a life controlled by Satan, or they're living a life controlled by Jesus. Did you ever think about that? You see, there is no in between. I know that might blow some of you's mind. You might be sitting there thinking, no, wait a minute, no, wait a minute, no, no, no. no." There is an in-between. I mean, I can be living for myself. If you are, you're living for Satan. You're being controlled. You're being controlled, believe it or not, you're being controlled by demons because that's who Satan is. That's his horde that that works for him, and that's who controls you when you're not living for Jesus. There is no in-between. You're either living for Jesus or you're living for Satan you're never living a life of your own I hear messed up people say this all the time and I say, is it okay for me to be using the term messed up I use the term messed up because I was a messed up person for so long and still am on a regular basis that I don't feel like it's insulting because that's me I'm a messed up person is anybody here not a messed up person because I want to meet that person and get to know them so that I won't be messed up Gordon's here. I think he's not a messed up person, so I, he can help me out. I think when we Gordon help me out when we get done, because I don't want to be messed up all the time. I hear a messed up person say this all the time when I'm working with them and studying with them. We might even be going through studies with them, and maybe you'll hear this if you've, if you've ever done studies. They get to a point and they're saying, you know, I'm just not ready to give it up. I'm I'm just not ready to die to self. I look at them, I say, here's a harsh truth. You're already dead. The life you're living right now is not yours. It doesn't belong to you. You're living as an enemy of God's. Well, that sounds harsh, doesn't it? But it's true. Because we're either living for God or we're living for Satan. There is no in between. Look back at the story. Pick it up in verse 7 through 10. When he fell at his feet before Jesus, he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? I wish I could do some kind of voice right now. I wish all of you could hear it in in this voice that a demon would speak i can't speak a demon voice i wish i could well maybe i already am maybe that's what you're hearing so we can go ahead my name is legion for we are many then he begged jesus again and again not to send him out of the area there's something really big there that i don't want you to miss look at it real close not only do these demons recognize jesus They fear Jesus. They fear his divine power. Do you know why? Because he has the power to cast them into the abyss. See, their judgment's already happened. Demons are already judged. Their final destination is already set. It's just the time period they get to have on earth before they get put there. And they're begging because they know he has this divine power. And we're going to talk about this divine power a little bit more because it's going to open it up here in the Scriptures. Let's look back at verse 14 through 17. 14 through 17. If you're following along, you'll notice I just skipped over the part about the pigs. I've heard so many sermons about the pigs and and how the Jews didn't have anything to do with the pigs and and how many thousands of pigs it would have been running into the water and how strange it was to run into the water. I've heard so many stories about that. I just don't, I'm tired of it. This story's not about the pigs running into the water. It's really not. You're going to see what the story's about here. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town and the countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. Notice they didn't call him legion. Sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people who, what had happened to the demon-possessed man. And told them about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. Focus on verse 15. They find this man, who's only known to us as legion, dressed and in his right mind. This messed up man, this dead man, if you will, is now alive and in his right mind. See, this is what life looks like. It's a life ready for instruction, a life after death. And how do the people react? They come, stop there for a second and just think about it. They've known this man. They've been out there. They've had encounters with him. If they haven't had encounters with him, they have friends that have had encounters with him. If this was somebody that was breaking chains, he was not somebody you wanted to be around. He was somebody that could mess you up. They all know who this guy was. And they come in and they find him normal. They find him not messed up. They don't have to fear him anymore. This is a time for celebration. They plead with Jesus to leave. What you see here is a people more concerned with their money than their faith people more concerned about their comfort than that of a demon-possessed man. They couldn't find joy in one of their own being healed because of their comfort zones. They'd rather send the light of the world away than get out of their comfort zones. Think about it. Jesus had just gone toe-to-toe with the demonic world, displayed his awesome, mighty, divine power, and they're more concerned with their way of life being threatened and send Jesus away doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Look how the story ends. Look at verse 18 and 19. As Jesus is getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed, again, they don't call him legion, begged to go with him. But Jesus said no. Go home to your own people. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. You know, what I see here is counter-culture to what goes on today. If this scenario played out in even, even in a similar fashion today, it would go differently. You see, Jesus heals this man, and the man wants to go with Jesus, and If you think about it, surely that would be the smart thing to do. It at least sounds like the loving thing to do. Allow this guy to go with you. Allow this guy that was formerly known as Legion and and give him a new name. Allow him some healing time, some learning time. You can't just send him out on a mission and just throw him to the wolves. He's not ready yet. He needs to go to one of our Christian colleges and gain knowledge. And after four or five years, depending upon how much money they can bleed out of him, he's going to have enough knowledge that then he can go on a mission. And by the way, then he'll know you can't go on a mission to your own hometown. Don't you know people don't listen to you at your own hometown? Let's think of someplace exotic we could send you. Someplace that is far away. Someplace that, how about Siberia? And you'll make contacts there, and you can raise money for people to send you to Siberia. And don't worry, you don't have to baptize anybody while you're there. You just go over there and maybe teach them how to melt ice or something. You know, just... But do it in love, do it with Jesus' love. What does Jesus do? What's he do that's counterculture? He says, go and tell Right? He gives him a mission and a purpose. This man that formerly had no life, no mission, no purpose, he gives him instantly a mission and a purpose. Jesus knows what he's doing. We'll talk more about that in a minute. So this man who had no life, no purpose, no reason for living, now has a mission, and it's the Lord's mission. And what does this man do? Well, if he's living today, what he does, because Jesus told him no... He'll go look for a safe space. He'll get him a coloring book. People will bring him a puppy. He'll whine. He'll cry. He'll make up signs to demonstrate against Jesus because he wouldn't let him go. I mean, mean, he'll do something like that because that's what we do today. We can't move on and do what we're supposed to do. But what does he do? Verse 20. So the man went away, and look what he did. He begins to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. It would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? To see this man who'd formerly been known as Legion coming into your town and telling you, hey man, I ain't messed up no more. <laughs> you don't have to worry about me. I'm not gonna attack you, I ain't breaking no chains. I mean I mean I'm just I'm a real guy, and here's how that happened. He's got a story to tell him, doesn't he? Notice where he went. He went to the Decapolis. That's a region of ten cities on the southeast side of the lake. Uh, this didn't happen by coincidence. Sometimes we take scripture and we take little bitty sections and because we take a little section and dissect it, we kind of miss a bigger picture. And if you just looked at where we're looking now and that's the only place you looked in this whole section, you'd really be missing the bigger picture. All this could kind of seem like coincidence, but it's not. Jesus is doing something and he set this up. If you just go back Chapter 4, you're going to see Jesus is preaching a sermon. This is the day before this, by the way. Jesus is preaching some sermons. And he's te- teaching in parables. He's teaching about the parable of, uh, uh, I don't even remember all the different parables he's teaching. He's teaching, he's teaching different parables. I've got to catch myself up here. Parable of the sower, parable of the lamp on a stand. All these parables, and all of them have the same thing in common. He's teaching about kingdom growth and how this kingdom growth is going to happen and how it's going to come about. And if you went back and read that, you'd see how he's teaching it in parables and the people listening don't really understand it. But then he teaches his apostles himself what's going on. Well, then that night, they all get into the boat. The apostles and and Jesus get into a boat to go to the other side of the lake. Because Jesus says, specifically, I want to go to the other side. So they get in a boat to go to the other side. Jesus goes up in front of the boat and goes to sleep. You probably all know this story. On the way over, a storm comes up. The disciples get so scared they have to go wake Jesus up. Wouldn't, wouldn't you like to been? I oh, it starts to fly on the wall, but there's no wall. Wouldn't you like to have been just one of those guys that you could just watch what was happening and see which one of them had to go wake Jesus up? Dude, that, that wave there about capsized the boat. Go wake him up. I ain't waking him up. You wake him up. <laughs> You've seen the kind of power this guy's got. I ain't waking him up. You wake him up. At some point, somebody says, I'm waking him up because that way is about to capsize and goes over. Jesus, don't you even care we're about to drown? <laughs> and I'd give anything to see the look on Jesus' face when he wakes up. I know my look on my face when I wake up, and it's not pretty one at all. I guess Jesus was probably still pretty light because he had that lamb-looking face, the, right? Or did he wake up angry? I don't know, but whatever it was, when he woke up, he looks up, he looks around, he says, be still, and the wind and the waves stop. And I love what Scripture says. I think this is a great understatement. Chapter 441 says, they were terrified. Even the wind and the waves obeyed him. Who is this guy? (laughs) See, at this point, they still don't get it. They still don't really recognize who he is, and they're hearing all this stuff about kingdom growth and and what it means, what they're supposed to be about, and they're supposed to be sharing their faith. They're supposed to be et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're still not getting it. So Jesus hits the land and goes over there and heals this demon-possessed man, formerly known as Legion. And then he puts this man on a legion, I mean on a mission. Puts old legion on a mission, right? Now I've got you caught up to where we were. Is all this just chaos or is Jesus doing something on purpose? The answer to that last question is always yes. Legion is sent on a mission on purpose. That's the reason Jesus wanted to go to the other side of the lake to begin with. He already knew what he was doing. Stay with me here. It'll take a little bit of a jump. Jump forward to chapter 7, verse 31. After Jesus deals with Legion and tells him to go back into the Decapolis, he then goes back over the lake, works his way around. and Chapter 7, verse 31 says, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre, went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, into the region of the Decapolis. At this point, this is where Jesus is going to, going to heal a man and he's going to feed a crowd of thousands that we hear all the stories about when we're growing up as, as kids in the church. But question, where did the crowd come from? He's about to feed this giant crowd. If you if you followed it in Scripture, you're going to see he feeds a crowd of some say 4,000. Some say, no, it would have been more like eight to 10,000 because they don't count the women and children, etc. Like whatever the crowd it was, a large crowd he's about to feed. Where did the crowd come from? Verse 31 says he was where? Region of the Decapolis. That's the same region the man formerly known as Legion was told to go and tell his story. Now, I know the text doesn't say it, but I want you to imagine with me. As Jesus sets his feet back on that slope again, that same slope where he ran into Legion the last time, the man known as Legion, do you think he saw the same people that begged him to leave the last time? Do you think he recognized them, they were in the crowd? Because I bet you they were in the crowd. Use your imagination a little bit more with me. Look on the front row. Do you think old Legion was there? I don't think an army could have kept Legion away if he knew he was going to be there. I see Legion standing on the front row saying, Jesus, remember me? You told me to go and tell and look. They're all here. They won't tell you to leave this time. I believe that's how the crowd got there. Jesus had a plan for old Legion. And he has the same plan for each and every one of us. And the plan's no different for Legion than it is for you. His plan always has been, always will be the simple. Go and tell. That's how difficult this is. Go and tell is that hard go to who go to your people and tell them what tell them what the Lord has done for you that's the story that's where the power is found right about now I know there's got to be people out there in the audience that are just like me you're this you're this this type personality you're sitting there listening and I used to sit there and listen And hear a speaker unpack, I would say a good speaker, but I'm not a good speaker, uh, unpack something and get me kind of excited and get me kind of motivated. Okay, I'm ready to do whatever it is you're saying we're doing. I see it's in Scripture and you're right, we're going to do it, but tell me how. Because, see, I, I need to know how. How do we do that today? You see, I'm not Jesus. I don't have that kind of power. It's really unfair for you to give me this unrealistic expectations and send me out on this mission that I don't know how to do. Sure, it's go and tell, but, but really, you know, I don't have his power. He had power. He had divine power. We'll stop right there for in that thinking and hear me. You have the exact same power. You have divine power. Every person in this room that is a member of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ lives in you and you live for him, have the exact same power. You want me to back that up, don't you? Let's look first at 2 Corinthians ten, three through 5 For though we live in the world, we do not wage war, war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. As it says there, we have divine power. And look what it does, demolish strongholds. Is that not enough? Look at 2 Peter 1.3. One of my favorite verses, because it's in a song. I wish I could sing it, but I can't sing. I wish somebody could sing, no. <laughs> no. His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Whose divine power? His divine power has been given to us. Now, I know some will say, Lynn, you're kind of twisting it, because I know how you think. You're looking there going, that doesn't say we have that power. It says he has that power. His divine power has given us everything we need. Okay, for you skeptics, look at Ephesians 1, 18 through 20. I pray that the eyes of your heart, Paul's praying for the Ephesians, and he's also praying for every one of you sitting here in this room today. Look what he's praying for. Every one of you, put your name in there. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And he's praying that your eyes may be open, that you have his incomparably great power for us who believe. Who's this? Great power for us who believe. And he doesn't stop there. Look what comes next, because this is powerful. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Do you see that? Do you believe that? Do you understand that means that every single one of you sitting here today that are in Jesus Christ have the same power inside of you that raised Jesus from the dead? When you think you don't have the power to share what Jesus has done for you with somebody else, how silly now does that sound when you have the power living inside of you that raised Jesus from the dead. How much more power do you need to do something as simple as go and tell what Jesus has done for you? Because that's it. That is, the, that is, what, is what he wants of us. That is the mission. It's the same power that healed legion, old legion, and put him on a mission. That same power is in you. That's the same power Jesus was talking about in John 16 when he said, I tell you the truth. It's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. You have that same counselor. And his name is Holy Spirit. And he lives and resides inside of you. And he says the Holy Spirit will convict this is really big. I didn't realize how big this was till I started studying for this message and then thought it through. It says the Holy Spirit will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. I thought for far too many years that was my job as a Christian to convict somebody of sin. I think far too many of us have thought that way. It's not my job. The Holy Spirit's going to do the convicting. I don't have to do it. That takes a big load off of my shoulders if I don't have to be the one doing convicting. Also means I won't be the one doing the judging. And I don't know about you, but I don't think I have the right to be doing the judging, knowing my own life. Do you? He even says the Holy Spirit will guide us in all truth. Here's a powerful truth that I think we all can share in. Jesus' presence in our lives changes our today and someone's tomorrow if we go and tell. You see, we have divine power. All we have to do is is go to those that need to hear. Those in our realm of influence and all of you at your age have a lot of people around you that you can be going to. They're around you all the time. If you go to them and tell them what Jesus has done for you. It's not your job to go convict them of sin. It's not your job to go judge them. It's not your job to go give them righteousness. It's your job to go tell them what Jesus has done for you because there is power in your story. I want to show you a video, and I could have taken any one of a hundred of you in this room, and probably more, and made a video like this. But I chose someone I was near because I was near him and had a phone. So would you show us a video? That's not it. I come from a Christian <laughs> background. I was raised in a
1: Christian home, you know. But as I got older, say around 13, 14. I started to uh, adopt the ways of the world and all the sin that came with it. I uh, was getting into things like uh, dealing drugs, stealing from people. Uh, I started hanging out with the the wrong crowd and uh, after a while I kind of lost sight who I was and I was trying to focus on who I was trying to be and when that happened I got confused on who I was and who I was trying to be. It was more. Uh, I didn't recognize myself when I looked at myself in the mirror. I didn't know if I was staring at me or the monster I created. So uh, when I got with this this girl, Elena, she was calm. She was you know cool, whatever. Not a Christian, but I kind of stopped doing what I was doing. I stopped dealing guns. I stopped dealing drugs. I stopped with all this all the all the crap. I stopped it and. And during that process, I uh, I got this tattoo because I, I didn't know who I was I felt like a lost soul because I didn't know where I belonged in this world I didn't know if I belonged with the good people or I belonged with the wicked people So I was kind of just stuck in between Um After a while after going to my lowest low Um uh, A couple months in there, uh my buddy, you know you know DJ, obviously. Um, he told me about this place. Except was over at Brookside when I started going there and uh I started hanging out with these I started hanging out with, you know, the the Cross Chat group. And I noticed that you guys had this this peace about you, this happiness, you know, this and I wanted to know where it came from because I, I I couldn't feel it. I mean you told me where it came from but I didn't get where it came from, you know, you say God is a happiness and all that stuff. And the more I hung out with you guys, and the more I got into the Bible study that I was doing with people, I I realized that I could have this too if I really wanted it. And I did want it. Uh, After the Bible study and after getting baptized, it was just like, you know, everything was different. I was a changed man. I was more peaceful. I was happy. And uh, my sins and my wicked ways didn't matter anymore. So, and that died itself... I got that tattoo because that's exactly what I did. I died to self. It was refreshing. I, I can say that I've never, I haven't been this happy in a very long time. Uh, yeah, that's actually about it. So, yeah, my story has power. There you go.
0: His divine power has given us everything we need. His divine power has given us everything we need. Right? There is power in your story. That's just one. There are a lot of you sitting here could have made that video. Your story would have been different. Some worse, some some maybe a little better. But all the same, there is power in your story. You've got to understand this. Every single one of you here are unique. And your story has a power in it that's different than every other person sitting here. That's because God wants to reach everyone. And the only way He can do it is using... Everybody's story. You see, you can reach people I can never reach. You can reach people I can never even talk to. You can reach people I'll never reach. People I'm not. I won't even have an audience with because they wouldn't talk to me. Why'd they talk to an old fat bald white guy when they could talk to these good-looking young men? Now. it's the same for every single person in this room your story is different and your story here's what's the same though every one of your story has the exact same power the power that raised Jesus from the dead that's why he wants you to go and tell your story you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to go to a Christian college and spend five to ten years and thousands of dollars to get all this knowledge before you can go tell somebody about your story. You can do that right now. Every year we come to family vacation. And all of our speakers stand up here and we, and we try our best. In our board meetings we pray about what's going to be happening we pray about father how can we help these you go home and go and tell because that's it go and tell what jesus has done for you if you go and tell what jesus has done for you before long they'll be helping you go and tell what jesus has done for them that's that's the simplicity of the gospel and how it works that's the power, that's the divine power that lives in each and every one of, a, of you. Every year we try to come up with some way to motivate you. I'm going to show you another clip. This one would be kind of corny because you know, what, you know I'm trying to motivate you with it, but I'm doing something different with this than just trying to motivate you. Pay attention just for, for a moment for the clip. You're going to think it's about one thing. I'm bringing it back when it's done. Go ahead. Hermitants, my brothers of the sword, I'd rather fight beside you than any army of thousands.
1: Let no man forget how menacing we are. We are lions. Do you know what's there? Waiting, beyond that beach. Immortality. Take it. It's yours.
0: great speaker, I could take what he just did, if you'll turn my mic back on, I could take what he just did and use that, you know, and tell you you guys, it's immortality waiting on us, it's immortality waiting for them, and if I was a great speaker, and actor like he is, I I could do that and motivate you. It's not why I showed you the clip, because I'm not a great speaker, I'm not somebody that can take you and motivate you that way, and it would be cheesy if I was. Here's why I showed you the clip. Every single time I see that movie, and I like it So I see it pretty often. Every time I see it, this is a honest truth, I think of the people here at Family Vacation every year. And I think of how every speaker that gets up here is trying their best to do exactly what he just did in that clip. We're trying our best to get you to see that immortality really is there and it really is for everyone that you it's not just for you it's not just for you to go and take it's for everyone that you can go and share with to go and take and we pray about how to be able to get that point and message across to you and we pray in the in our board meetings about how our speakers can how to do that and how to go about doing it which speaker to use on which topic we don't just willy nilly it we don't just look at it and say hey you know that looks like a good one for Clint give it to Clint oh that looks like a good one for Kerry because that vein pops out he'll be really good at that point when that vein pops out And man he'll make that and that'll be good that's not how we do it We pray over every topic. We pray until the Lord's exposing to us who he wants to deliver these messages through. Because we really do want you to leave here and go home. And for my part, it's simple as we want you to go home and go and tell. We want you to go tell your story because his divine power will do the rest. I look forward to the day that we stand in glory, all of us. And we look at Jesus and we say, hey, Jesus, you t-, this is after we've gotten off our face, by the way. After he said, okay, it's okay, you can get up, you can speak, you know, after all that. Hey, Jesus, Jesus, um, King, however you want to view it, I view him as my friend. You told us us to go and tell and look we're all here to praise you thank you guys can we close with a prayer father thank you so much for what you're doing here at family vacation thank you for motivating us in a way that father just more than anything else i just want to say thank you for your love Thank you for loving us and allowing us to participate in your mission. Thank you for giving us a story to tell. Thank you for the past we've had to give us a story to tell. In your son's name we pray. Amen.